this 31-week journey in the story. And there are materials at the back. Uh, we've ordered some more books. But feel free to take uh, a book today. Uh, there's no charge for these. If you want to track this with us, uh, today we're in chapter 2, so we're still at the very beginning. Uh, we have some small groups set up for discussions to look at those questions. In fact, after we dismiss our worship today and go on our way, if you want to stick around, we'll have some about 30 minutes of discussion uh, over chapter 2, if anyone would like to participate in a discussion related to uh, what we're doing here. So we would really love for you to stick around if you're not in a small group already discussing this, uh, because there are questions that come up along the way. Uh, chapter 2, as you just saw the video, and each week we will have a video like that that will run you it's just three minutes, they're all about three minutes, that will run you quickly through uh, the information that we have. But this is also um, not just about information, but about the idea of God's great love and his wonderful plan that he's put in place, uh, not only for, for all time and eternity, but also for you in your personal life. And to find your story in God's story is a very important concept of what we're striving for when we're doing this story as we go through it. So today I would say the primary theme, and this has been hard for me to pick out how to do a message in regard to this because it covers so much material, but today's primary focus today is on faith. And as you would know, Abraham was known for his faith and his devotion to God. Now, he didn't do things always exactly right, and that was reflected there. Uh, he made some mistakes, Sarah made some mistakes, but in, in the process of that, God can still use those areas of our lives where we do not perfectly follow his will and still create something of accomplishment for his purposes out of even those areas that we fall short in. And I think that's the beauty of this story, not only from Abraham's standpoint, but also from our own. Now, in Abraham, first of all, he, God decided that this was time to build a nation. We've, we've been through Adam and Eve, the story of Adam and Eve, uh, Cain and Abel, Noah and the flood, and, and God's interactions with, with man and with purpose. But Abraham was living in an area called the Ur of the Chaldeans, and Abraham grew up in a pagan culture, and, and so he didn't really know God, and there wasn't necessarily a monotheistic or a one-God-believed system in his experience. But God chose him and set him apart. For whatever reason, we don't know all the reasons for this, but he said, I want you to gather your belongings and go to a land I am going to show you. So it is even before God has pointed where Abraham is going that he first asked him to gather up his belongings because he's going to send him somewhere. Now at that point, many of us would kick into sort of the 20 question thing, you know, well, why, when, who, what, are you kidding me? Uh, types of questions that we have because in our personal nature, we want to know those answers, don't we? Before we go somewhere, we want to know why we're going. We want to know where we're going. 
We want to know what's going to be on the other side of where we're going. And so we often will ask those questions. Abraham, as far as we know, didn't ask any of those questions. He responded to God in obedience and faith, gathered up his belongings, took his wife Sarah, took his nephew Lot and Lot's family, and they all left and started going to this area that was going to become what we call the promised land with the idea that they would become a great nation. Now, if you're going to set up and, and, and do a brand new nation, and, and people are going to line up to be candidates to build a brand new nation from, couples, they would probably be the last ones you would choose. Abraham was 75, and Sarah was 65 and barren. But God chose them, an older couple beyond childbearing years. And why would he do that? To demonstrate that this nation and all the things that would take place would be to the glory of God and his accomplishments. Now, he chooses you and I as well. We are unlikely candidates, all of us, to be used for God's purposes. And yet he chooses to use the likes of us with all of our faults and all of our incapabilities. And yet he chooses to be glorified through each and every one of us if we place our faith and trust in him and will walk obediently and faithfully to him. Now I'd say the best passage of scripture that we have to give us a review of this faith walk of Abraham is not in the Old Testament. But it's in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews. And it's in the, what we call the roll call of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, where it lists, lists all these people who by faith obeyed God and saw him do great things through them. So that we're going to read this together. It's going to be up here on the screen. It's in Hebrews chapter 11 that we find this story of Abraham's faith. And look at all the different points along the way where Abraham obeyed God and did what he wanted him to do, what God wanted him to do. So let's, let's read this. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. This is an important verse right here. I want you to look at this. He was looking forward to a city that was at this point not visible, but he understood there would be this kingdom and that there would be this place whose architect and builder is God. And if you take this into your own personal life and God's purpose for you, God has laid a foundation in your life. And he is the architect and the builder of your life for his purposes if we are willing to give ourselves over to him and be obedient by faith to what it is he has called us to do and who he wants us to be. He has made you for a purpose. He loves you. He's made you unique among all the people on the face of the earth and he's given you this one and only life and he wants to be the architect and the builder of what transforms with inside you and me. Isn't that awesome? 
He wants to do that. He is the architect and the builder of your life. Let's go on. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And it wasn't just Abraham who had this faith, Sarah did as well. Let's go on. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So there's a lot of beauty in these verses right here in the New Testament out of the book of Abraham, from the life of Abraham out of the book of Hebrews. Now, <clears throat> most of what we're going to be doing each week is we're going to be following people as they follow God. That's how we learn about how God works with us in our lives. But I'm going to share with you this morning, uh, it, I, I wouldn't call it a, I would call it a set of seven principles that God uses to guide our lives and how you are invited into his plan. This is found in a study that was written by a man named Henry Blackaby, and it is called Experiencing God. And so we're going to look at these seven, and they're going to be applied to your life as we look at what Abraham did in following God. So here's the first one. We're going to bring it up. Here's the first one. God is always at work around you. All right? Before God called Abraham in Ur of the Chaldeans, he had been working and he was working at, in his plans and purposes, even though they were unseen. But this is important for you and I to understand. God is always at work around you. Even though you not, may not perceive it or see it, but he is actively working. He is always at work. God is always at work around you as he was in the time of Abraham. Let's go on. Second one. God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. Who took the initiative? Did Abraham or God in their relationship, in the beginning of their relationship? God took the initiative. He will take the initiative with you in your life to reach towards you in love, not only in just general terms, but it is both real and personal. And he wants a continuing love relationship with you and I. It's not something that comes and goes. It's not something along those lines. 
His love is constant, it is faithful, it is unchanging, and he does the initiating, so he reaches to us. He reaches towards us. He has done that over and over and over again with people all throughout the Bible, with your life as well. Think back to all the ways in which God has reached to you, initiating relationship. You might not have always heard him, you might not have always felt him, you might not have always sensed that he was there, but honestly it's because you were so wrapped up in yourself and your own concerns, worries, anxieties, and desires, and thoughts, and wants, wishes, and so forth, that you didn't perceive he was there because you weren't listening, you weren't looking, you weren't seeking him. But all the while he is seeking you. Most of us could bear witness to that fact. That after you finally decided to have your eyes open and move towards him and open yourself towards him, all of a sudden you realize he was there all along. Working all along. You were the one who was out of position in making that connection to him. You were out of position. God is never out of position in relationship to you and his reaching towards you in seeking a love relationship with you that is both real and personal. He has demonstrated that, as we know, in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. Let's go to the third principle. God invites you to become involved with him in his work. Isn't that what he did with Abraham? He said, uh, he went to Abraham and he invited him, and he said out of him he was going to build this nation, he invites you and I in to join him in his work, to become involved with him in his work. It's his invitation to us to be collaborators, co-laborers with him. That's how he chooses to build things and to do things. And that requires you and I in the, in the middle of this. Even though we stumble along, uh, Jeff told me something that, Jeff Wilkinson told me, <laughs> told me something that was really, really great. And Jeff, I'm going to let you repeat it, but it's like a drunk finding his way home. It's not a pretty thing, but would you, would you share, would you just, I'm going to grab this microphone because, well, yeah, you do. Because we got to, you can't, we're on the radio and people, uh, People on the other side of town can't hear you from here. <laughs> the Christian walk is like a drunk man going home. To the observer on the outside, it's not very pretty. He stumbles into a building, runs into a parked car, falls down in the gutter, rolls around for a while, gets up, and starts walking the wrong direction. But in his mind, he's doing very well. <laughs> That's the Christian walk. <laughs> so, the wonder of this is that it even, we even arrive towards something successful at all, given the nature of this journey that we are all in. But he wants us to be involved with him in his work, and he has gifted each and every one of us with giftings and unique giftings that will be used if you allow them to be applied for his purposes. Each of us has a unique gift makeup that is designed to be used to make this body, this fellowship, this kingdom work. We all have different giftings. 
All right, let's go to the next one. God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. So some people say, well, how does God speak? Well, with Abraham, uh, and in the Bible, we learn that God speaks sometimes through angels. He, he speaks through prophets. He speaks through um, dreams and visions. He, he speaks in various ways, but in our day and time now, he still uses some of those ways to speak to us, and it's always through the Holy Spirit. But by way of the Holy Spirit, we have, <coughs> we have the Bible, we have prayer, we have the circumstances around us, we have the church, and through all of this, he reveals himself, his purposes, and his ways. And so that's why we need to stay connected within our relationship with each other because it's by being connected to one another that we can have the fullest understanding of what God is saying to us not only as an individual but as a group in terms of what it is he wants us to be about it's only lived out in community with our connection to each other there are no lone rangers in God's kingdom work it's all designed to be done together with each other working with one another in a cooperative unified relationship as it results in our connection to him. But in spite of the fact that it's meant to be done collectively, you still have an individual calling, an individual gifting, an individual purpose that he wants to reveal to you and cause you to step into that. Let's go to the next one. God's invitation for you to work with him always leads you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. This is the part where Abraham left, not knowing where it was he was going. It was the place where he had to make the decision to go out strictly on faith and take those steps of action. And it will always be what they say here, a crisis of belief where you must choose whether or not you're going to step out and believe him for what it is he is leading you to do in regardless of what you think the results are going to be, regardless of what you think somebody's going to think about that, regardless of what you think the, the, the consequences will be, it requires you to step out in faith, trusting God that he's the one leading you. Stop asking the 20 questions. When he speaks and he prompts, that's your signal to act and take your step. Abraham did that. He did. He gathered everybody up and off they went. And his faith walk grew as he progressed in his journey. It started small. We talk about him gathering his possessions and taking off for a place that God would show him. That was an exercise of faith. But imagine the exercise of faith that it required later when God told him to take this one and only son who was going to become the, the, the person who God would build this nation from and sacrifice him on an altar. 
So the faith that Abraham had when he first left Ur of the Chaldeans to make his journey to Canaan was this much faith. But after a period of time as he watched God work in his life and his faith grew and he built and his trust increased with God, he gave him an ever-increasing number of things to do that eventually led him to this place where he had to take this only son Isaac and his belief was so strong by then in God that he said, I don't know how you're going to figure this out, God, but if it means you're going to raise him from the dead, I'll kill him, that's fine, because I know this is the son of promise, and you've been faithful to the promises so far, and this doesn't make sense to me, it doesn't add up at all, I'm just going to trust you because I've learned to trust you in this journey and in this walk. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I trust you. How many times have we seen ourselves in situations in our personal lives where we absolutely do not know how this is going to turn out? And yet what we do is we stand in trust. We stand in faith. We take our confidence from God, not in ourselves. And we watch for the thing that he will do in the midst of this process. It rarely ever turns out the way we think it will. It will not turn out the way that you think it will. And sometimes it won't be good. And we'll look at God and we'll say, what was that all about? But he wants you to trust him. So there will be a crisis of belief as to whether or not you're going to step out in spite of not knowing all the answers before you start into your journey. Let's go to the next one. You must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he is doing. You can't stay where you are and keep doing the things that you're doing if you're going to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and follow him. There will be some sacrifices and adjustments and changes that will need to take place in order for you to understand and take those walks with God, those journeys with God. It will mean that you'll need to make some adjustments. And in some cases, I like what it says here because sometimes, and in most cases, it's called major adjustments. Because to get from where we are to where God wants us to be will require some changes in the patterns and the habits of our living. And that also requires faith on our part to step from away from here to get over to here. All right, onward to the next one. And this is the last one. You come to know God by experience as you obey him and he, he accomplishes his work through you. So in the initial connection of the relationship with Abraham, as that began to unfold and their friendship grew, as, as Abraham obeyed God and God accomplished his work through Abraham, and as far as this goes, anybody that we're going to read about in the Bible will watch, but as that grows by their obedience, the relationship grows stronger. The experiences that they have with God get stronger. 
and that just increases their time together. And so this will be something that I hope you will use in your life. This has guided, this has guided my personal journey of faith, these principles. I've seen it played out over and over and over again in our lives, and they ring very true for us. We've been asked to do some amazing, amazingly challenging things, Lynn and I, in our walk with the Lord. Um, to take us to places, to leave places, um, to include our kids in going places. As, as you know, most of our journey, it, was, it began with going to Crested Butte to start the Obi Joyful Church up there. Um, and, and we had just very little of a promise there. And this past September 9th would have been the uh, 34th anniversary of the meeting, first meeting of the gathering of people for the church that became known as Obi Joyful in Crested Butte. But then after we were there seven years, he called us to go overseas to Taiwan and to sell and leave and pack up a couple little crates and take a two and a four-year-old to go to a completely different place, learn two different Chinese languages, um, interact with people and live our lives there. And sometimes I would think that, you know, uh, after we'd spent about 10, 11 years with our mission board, uh, our kids were going into 7th grade and, and ninth grade. We were, they were 2 and 4 when we went, 12 and 14 when we came back. And, and it was a step of faith really to come back here. But I, God opened the doors for us to come to, to community church. What a gift that was to our family and to us personally. Wonderful opportunity for us to come and be here. And that was 16 years ago now. So he reveals his pattern. He uses unlikely people like ourselves, ordinary people like you and I. And he wants to use you and recruit you and involve you in his work. The sacrifice of Isaac, and this is what I love about our journey as well. I told you that we're going to go back and forth between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But the one and only son, Isaac, of Abraham, to build a nation. And God provided a, sacrif a sacrificial lamb. And Jesus is called the Lamb of God. So centuries later, God sent his only son for us to be our Savior. To build the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven us and he was the sacrifice for sin for you and I to give us that new life that new hope that new opportunity that new purpose that new experience if you have never given your life to Jesus you're here today you're not sure about where you're headed in faith it starts by giving your life to Christ giving your life over to God all those questions and cares and concerns and stuff that gets in the way of our not doing that, that busyness, that trash, that stuff, it needs to be gone so you can get to him. And then it begins. It, it, it begins this journey that you could never, ever write out 
if you're faithful to follow what God has for you. What he has for you will be like nothing you could ever have charted out for yourself. It's amazing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Even when we are not faithful to you. Your constant love and devotion to us, your patience, your willingness to guide us in our sort of stumbling ways in this journey of faith. But today, again, each of us offer ourselves to you, as Abraham did 3,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. And that story is still the same today. How you want to engage us and interact with us. Your faithfulness is great. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand and sing a closing song. It's called Great is Thy Faithfulness. It is number 140 in the hymn book, but the words will be up here on the screen if you want to do that. Uh, This is our declaration of God, towards God, of our worship to him.
Uh, Rick and Kay Warren. Rick Warren is the pastor of Saddleback Church and has lived a very high-profile public life. Uh, their son committed suicide this past year, and it was a very tragic situation. He lived with mental illness for a long, long time, but he did an interview. And something he said in that interview, and I didn't hear all of it, I just heard this bit. He said, in the 23rd Psalm, uh, where it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. He said, you can't have a shadow without there being light somewhere. And so when we're walking in that shadow of darkness, we are not alone, because it, said, uh, it says in that, that you are with me. So look to where the light is as you walk through that, that dark shadow. And he's there. He's there. He's always there. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace today and forevermore. Amen. If you don't have a book, feel free to pick one up. Uh, we've got more on order, so go ahead. Thank you for being with us today at Community Church.